Can you handle the truth? The informative voice for Christianity, the Marty Mento Show. Well, welcome to the Marty Mento Show podcast. I'm your host, Marty Mento, the informative voice for Christianity all across America, the one they call the blue-collar theologian. And I am so delighted to have you here today on the Marty Mento Show. As always, we want to say thank you to our music that is provided by Apologetics, last three letters, T-I-X, apologetics.com. Check them out. They're the Christian parody band, and uh, they do all kind of music, and uh, they have rewritten the lyrics and uh, uh, to bring a message, the gospel message, to bring hope to people and uh, to share the love of God. It's just it's good stuff. And, and again, I really appreciate Jay and the rest of the gang and all that they've done over the years. And uh, again, they are the official music of the Marty Minto Show. As always, I want to thank you so much for listening to all the podcasts, and uh, I want to encourage you to tell your friends, your loved ones, your co-workers, uh, to even tell your enemies about the Marty Minto Show, especially the last two uh, shows are of the utmost importance uh, to many of people, especially those who claim to believe in Jesus and they claim to be Christians. And uh, again, I hope and pray that you will just take in what has been shared with you, and uh, you will go back to God's holy word, and you will see the truth. And as Jesus says, it's the truth that will set us free. Remember on this program, there's three things, three priorities that we learn the word of God together so that we're able to teach others and defend the truth. That's right. The third one is to defend the truth, because in the last days, a lot of false teaching is going to come out of the visible church. And the truth of the matter is, uh, we need to stand opposed to the false teachers, and we need to speak truth in love, and we need to correct, rebuke, and we need to train in the Word of God, folks, and uh, I could go on and on. And it's so important in the day and age in which we live. Well, um, well, I got to tell you this. Last program, you probably noticed, I got quite uh, emotional. I, I got a little broken up talking about the subject that I was talking about, what it means to be a Christian when you call yourself a Christian, what does that mean? And uh, I talked about the fact that uh, truly the first and foremost, the, the, the thing that stands out is that uh, there has been a definitive change in your life produced by God. You're, you're a new creature. The old is past, the new is come, and all that new stuff is from God. Second Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 17 and 18. And uh, i got to be honest, after I did the podcast, I just sat back and I just, I'm just praying that God would use it in a mighty and a powerful way, not just uh, for those who know Marty Minto, but those outside of that realm, all across America, all across the world, anywhere where people would listen to this podcast. I pray that it would challenge them uh, to really think, to really look deep within uh, because once again, that is where we're supposed to look. We're not supposed to examine our lives. And the only way we can examine our lives or test ourselves of the faith is to put up our life, you know, up against the Word of God. We must test the spirits. We must test the teachings and the things that we have believed and we have held on to and find out whether or not it lines up with the Word of God. And that, to me, is of the utmost importance. Now, last show, I told you about my testimony, what took place with Dr. James White being a guest in my studio during a talk show that night, the night that Christ saved me. He changed my life from the inside out. And uh, I can tell you right now, just while I just sit here in awe 
And there's so many things I, I want to say about that in itself, but I, I got to move on today. I want to give to you these, uh, I talked about last time, seven traits or seven characteristics of a true Christian. And again, the first one is there's been a, a definitive change in your life produced by God. The second thing that I, I really believe with all my heart is because there is a definitive change uh, in your life that's produced by God, uh, the second thing is there there is a definitive really love for God and a love for others. There's love. There's agape. You've been changed. And, and you are just deeply in love with God. You're deeply in love with Jesus. He's your first love. Uh, and you want to live your life. Everything about you is now not focused on you. It's focused on him. I think of that passage in the book of Matthew, chapter 22. And again, I share these verses with you because I want you to be able to look them up for yourself or be able to share with other people in the time of need as you're sharing the truth about Jesus. But in Matthew, chapter 22, starting with verse 34, here's what it says. But when the Pharisees heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they gathered themselves together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him, meaning Jesus, a question testing him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the foremost commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Now, and I really believe that. I, I know the night that he saved me, he changed me. I became a brand new creature. I was born from above. I was changed down deep inside. I just fell in love with Jesus. And I'm not exaggerating. I fell in love with Jesus. I wanted to know more about him. I, I wanted to, to serve him. I became consciously aware of things I was doing, what I was saying, what I wasn't saying, what I should have been doing and shouldn't be doing. I mean, things began to change. It was like I was walking in a new realm, a new place that I have never been before. But I was in love with God, truly. My passion and my my longing just burned for him because he sent his only begotten son into this world to save me. And, and I think about this too, you know, in the book of Revelation, uh, when Jesus is writing to the churches, and, and I'm sure that some of you out there, if not most of you, have heard of this before, but there is something very, very interesting that Jesus um, confronts one of the churches about. And he confronts them on the issue about whether or not they had forsaken him, or I should say they had left their first love. Um, the chapter is Re Revelation chapter 2, and Jesus starts off in the letter as he writes to the angel of the church at Ephesus. He writes all kinds of things about what they had done, their perseverance. Um, but then he says in verse 4, but I have this against you that you have left your first love. But listen to these words here, which to me is just so important. He says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, and repent, 
and do the deeds you did at first, or else I'm coming to you, and I will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Now, when I read that, I, I begin to realize somewhere along the way they left their first love. Well, when we lose our first love or we leave our first love, something else replaces it. That's why I believe that Jesus is calling them to repentance. Remember from the height which you have fallen. Remember where you were, what you were doing at first when I saved you and you were so passionate towards me and loving me, and then all of a sudden something took my place. Something became of greater priority. But the issue that I want to deal with here is just the issue of we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, with our whole entire being. And then we are to love our neighbor as ourself. Love, agape, is truly the second trait or characteristic of a true Christian, love. And we know in the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 13, the greatest of these is love. We see love mentioned time and time, the fruit of the Spirit, love. Love, loving God, loving others. It becomes evident, and people around us notice that. Now, I have to bring to you the third trait, and the third trait it seems like it would be pretty plain and simple, um, but you are going to bear fruit, and here's why. Because now you have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within you. You're going to bear fruit, and I already talked about loving God. Loving that. And maybe some would say, maybe that should go before. Well, the answer to all of this is that you have the Holy Spirit within you. Now, some people just don't recognize at first until they read, until they're taught, uh, until somebody you know makes it understandable that when you are changed, when you're born from above, when you believe in the gospel, God does something that only God can do, and that is the fact that he seals you with the Holy Spirit. Here's one of my most favorite passages I love to turn to. I love to study the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. But in chapter 1, listen to this. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. See, we are sealed by God. It's a guarantee. We belong to him. That's why true believers understand that we are secure in Christ. We can't lose what is not ours. Salvation belongs to the Lord. He has sealed our salvation by placing the Holy Spirit within us. He has sealed us. He has guaranteed us. Uh, it's like he's, he has stamped his, his signature upon us with the Holy Spirit. We belong to him. And this is of the utmost importance, but this happens when we believe. And, and again, we produce the fruit. We produce love. Uh, we, we begin to love God, you know. And the reason why I put loving God even before that, because I know the night he saved me, until I really truly fully understood the work and the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life, I just loved him. Everything inside of me, just my, my heart beat for Jesus and what he did for me on the cross, what he did in the life that he lived. And then what he did when he rose on that third day. I mean, just it just blew my mind. 
But I think to myself, because I've been studying this today, actually in my own personal time, I've been in the book of Romans, and I was in Romans chapter 8, and Romans chapter 8, a lot of people don't know this, if you want to look at a passage, a chapter in the Bible, a place in the Bible that will probably tell you more about the Holy Spirit than anywhere else, it's Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, for you Bible teachers, pastors out there, for those of you leading small groups, or for your own personal, you can learn so much about the Holy Spirit by studying Romans chapter 8. But here's what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Listen to this. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, Paul, you know, that word if, it's it's conditional, it's a warning. You know, it, you have to look at your life. Is the Holy Spirit of God, have you been sealed? Is he within you? Well, if he is, you will have the fruit, you'll produce the fruit, because a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. That's what Jesus taught. A bad tree cannot produce good fruit, but a good tree will produce good fruit. You'll know them by their fruit. But here's what it goes on to say. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, meaning of the Holy Spirit here, he does not belong to him. See, if we, if we don't have the Holy Spirit within us, we don't belong to Christ. We're not Christians. We're not. There won't be a change. There won't be anything that takes place because we don't have the Spirit of God within us. And I can tell you right now, again, folks, I cannot stress this enough. If you study Romans chapter 8, you will see the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. It will just be mind-boggling. But the truth of the matter is, Paul questions them as he writes to these people who claim to be believers. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Because once again, if you don't have the Spirit of God within you, then you don't belong to him. Uh, the other day, I was doing a further study in the book of 1 John as I was reading through, and, and the book of 1 John gives us and points to the fact that there is evidence whether or not we are the children of God or we are the children of the devil. And the truth of the matter is, it says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, by this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God nor the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And then it goes on here. But see, see, this is, when we have the Holy Spirit, there's love within us. There's the evidence that he exists, that he is within us. Again, going back to Romans chapter 8, those who are the sons of God are being led by the Spirit of God. And that's the Spirit of God dwells within us. He's a person. He dwells within us. The Bible tells us in Romans 8, 2, that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. It goes on, and it talks about so many different things there. I mean, it's just absolutely mind-boggling. But you've heard me mention this verse many times before. I'm going to mention it again. But in, in Galatians chapter 5, it, it tells us in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 
If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So the truth of the matter is it's the Spirit of God who leads us. He guides us. He directs us. We are to be filled daily with the Holy Spirit. So once again, this is another uh, trait or evidence or characteristic that truly we are Christians. We are children of the living God. And uh, again, this is of the utmost importance. I, I could go on and on. I'll tell you why this is so important, because Paul told Timothy in the last days, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, here's the problem, that in the days in which we draw closer and closer to the return of Christ, here's what we should expect. You ready for this? This is big time. He says here that in the last days, starting with verse 1, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revelers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Boy, we see that today big time, don't we? But listen to this, verse 5, holding to a form of godliness— Now, this is very important. This form means an outward appearance. And godliness in the Greek is the word it refers to religion. They're going to be religious people. They're going to have that outward appearance. And people are going to think, hey, they're one of us. But here's the key. Listen carefully. Although they have denied its power and avoid such men as these. Denying its power. What's the power? The power is is of God. It's the change. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the new creature. They deny its power because they're not bearing fruit. Matter of fact, the deeds of the flesh is what's evident in their lives, and people will know them. Matter of fact, give you one more here. This is really important. I, I, I want to stress, and I've already told you, we may have to do a few podcasts on this subject, but listen to this. These are the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. Here's what Jesus says. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Now, again, he's specifically talking about the false prophets, but we could say false Christians too. We can interchange it. They come to us, they come to you, in sheep's clothing, the outward form or presence. You know, they, they, it's, it's the show and tell. But inwardly, what is going on inside of them? The ravenous wolves. And Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are figs from thistles, are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the rotten tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor could a rotten tree produce good fruit. Now, again, this is Jesus teaching us here very carefully. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Now, here's the key. Listen carefully. I really mean this. This this is big time. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, again, These are the people that will verbally acknowledge that they have believed in Jesus. They will acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of all. He's creator. He's sovereign. He's the only begotten Son of God. He is the God-man. He is the Savior of the world. 
we go on and on and on. They have that intellectual understanding. They have the evidence. They have the facts. They believe it to be true. But what they're missing is what we call it in a few shows ago, saving faith. How do we know this? Because he goes on to say, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. What is the will of the Father in heaven? Repent and believe in the gospel. That is what is supposed to take place first and foremost. Then, obviously, you live your life by the Spirit if you truly are a child of God. You are serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's no longer about you. Your life, you have died. You've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who live, but he who lives within you. Everything's been changed. You're in love with God. You're in love with his Son, Jesus Christ. You love other people. The fruit of the Spirit is evident in your life, and the list goes on and on and on. You do the will of God the Father. But listen to this. It even gets more frightening when he says this. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. So get this. They're preaching. They're teaching the word of God. They're casting out demons. They're performing miracles. Okay, okay, and again, the, the word miracles here is important for us to understand, works of power, a power that's something's taking place. And I will declare to them, now this is Jesus saying this, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Wow. Folks, i got to be honest with you. That's why I talked about what I talked about last show. You may claim to be a Christian. Could you imagine standing before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords someday and him saying to you, I never knew you. See, that was me. That's, that's why my testimony was so important for me to share with you. Because to me, it's something that every time I talk about it, I can't help but get emotional because I know what I was and I know what he has done. And I know who I am now. But the truth of the matter is to hear Jesus say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. See, there's the key. They're not producing fruit. They're practicing lawlessness, or they're bringing forth the deeds of the flesh. Matter of fact, going back to Galatians chapter 5, if you study that passage very carefully, you'll notice in verse 19 and 20 and 21, before it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, it says, the deeds of the flesh are evident which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, enviness, or envying, excuse me, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, listen, just as I forewarned you that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's why, you know, a bunch of programs ago, I, I told you, those who are engaged and practice homosexuality, they are going to experience the wrath of God unless they repent and they believe, they put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. Those who are drunkards, those who are drug addicts, those who are liars, those who are thieves, whatever the case may be, I want you to think about this. These people aren't getting into heaven. You know, you go to a funeral, and usually the pastor, the priest, makes everybody believe they're in a better place. That's not true. It's a lie. I venture to say that many of them, if not most, are crying out in hell 
They're suffering. They're going to be in eternal torment in the flames, in the judgment, in the wrath of God. But yet the priest, the preacher, everybody wants everybody to feel good and says, Johnny, John, Mary, Susie, they're all in a better place. Are they really? See, once again, a lie that people have believed into. And see, that's why the gospel message becomes so important, to because the gospel message tells the truth. It calls men to repent. It calls men what they are. They're sinners. They need to turn from their sin and turn to God, turn to him, because the answer is found in his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Now, I get passionate. I get fired up. I'm not trying to get preachy on this show. I'm just being honest with you. This is not a game. This is not a movement. This is not a club that you join when you're a Christian. Either you are the real deal and you are who you claim to be. Now, you may be young in your Christianity. You may be a child. Maybe you're a young adult. Maybe you're not a mature man or woman in the Lord. I understand that. But what bothers me more than that is, is those who proclaim to be somebody they're not, and all you have to do is look at their life and listen to them when they talk and the way they talk and the way they act and all that. Look and listen. I've told this for years to congregations. Look and listen. You will see them. You will hear. You will know what's on the inside because what's on the inside comes to the outside. And if there ain't no fruit, they can call themselves a Christian till they're blue in the face. They're heading right to hell. And i got to be honest with you. In love, we need to tell them the truth. And I could go on and on. I mean, 1 John talks about that. Once again, 1 John, if you want to look at a book of the Bible that will challenge you to find out who you really are and whether you are who you claim to be, look at 1 John. In the key there, you'll find the word practice, too. Those who practice these things, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. They're not. It ain't going to happen. So once again, there should be fruit in our lives. And that fruit is produced by the presence of God's Holy Spirit. The next one, and the last one because of our time today, another trait or characteristic of a true Christian is is someone who will truly demonstrate that they're a disciple or a pupil, and they will follow Jesus Christ. One of the things that became so evident to me in my life that never was before, I remember as a kid growing up, and I remember I went to a Christian camp, I believe it was in McKee's Rock, um, or McKee's Port, excuse me, I think Pennsylvania, McKee's Rock, something like that. I went to a Bible camp. And the reason why I remember that Bible camp is because they had Bible drills, And I represented, I went there as our church, and I used to love to do Bible drills. And uh, I did uh, participate in this drill, and I wanted so bad to win first place, I didn't. I believe it was second place. I think I have actually had the trophy sitting somewhere in a box in some of my memorabilia, uh, which someday probably just get thrown away. But anyways, it always takes me back. And I remember I studied, and I, you know, I knew I knew what I studied, and I knew it well. But there was somebody who knew things a little bit more than I did. See, when I was growing up in the church, thought I was a Christian. I knew about the things of God. I knew about the 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 act. Well, 
how do I say this? I knew about the actions within the scripture of the characters and what they were doing. Uh, I knew who was who and where they were. Um, you know, I just, I had that knowledge because of being taught that in Sunday school and youth group and in church, I had a head knowledge, but I didn't know them. And be honest with you, most of the time growing up, unless there was a contest involved, I didn't find myself picking up my Bible. I'll be honest with you, I didn't I didn't pick it up much, Only, but I had to have my Bible with me when I went to the church, when I went to youth group Sunday school, no matter what. My mother made sure I had to have my Bible with me. Um, but other than that, I did not, I didn't read it, I didn't study it, I knew nothing about it. Matter of fact, I, I'm not want to sound like I'm beating up on anybody, but it reminds me of where I grew up in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. That reminded me of a lot of the kids I knew who were Roman Catholic. They went to Mass, they went to confession, they did all the stuff that they did, but they never knew the Word of God. They just, you know, when they were, you know, when they were in their, their classes that they had to take, you know, the catechismic classes, and they had to do their stuff, but the truth of the matter is, most of them neither. They didn't study the Word of God. They, you know, that was just, that was a religious practice. But here's why I'm telling you this. One of the traits that I believe becomes so evident when you are a Christian, truly born from above, truly saved, have the Spirit of God within you, producing the fruit, you become a disciple, a pupil, a student, a learner who follows Jesus. The night that Christ saved me, what happened to me the next day and I kept quiet about it. Matter of fact, this is very interesting. A lot of people just don't know this a lot about me, even though I've done talk radio, uh, you know, I preach, I've taught, I've done seminars, conferences, I've done all kind of different things. I am really, um, I'm kind of like a, an awkward type of guy. I am not, I'm kind of inward. I, I don't like large crowds. I, I'm not the, the one who's the, you know, the, the you know, the prime person at the party that gets everything going and and started i i you know i i just not me it's never been me even though in, in in school in high school a little bit i was a class clown occasionally but that's just to get people i think just to get a laugh at me at least they would pay attention to me but the truth of the matter is i'm just not i'm not i'm not the head of the party i'm not that kind of person i'm very i, I i'm just a, i'm a, kind of an inward focus kind of a guy and i don't want to be that way but guess what? When Christ saved me, what took place that became so evident in my life first and foremost, and I didn't tell anybody. That night when that happened at first, I, I had to take it all in. I had to just suck it all in thinking, wow. There's, but here's what happened the next day. I dove in the Word of God like I've never dove into the Word of God ever before in my life. I hungered and I thirsted to learn more. I couldn't get enough. And then eventually I came to realize this passage in John chapter 8. Listen to this, starting in verse 31. Jesus therefore was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you abide, in other words, if you remain, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. See, there is one of the evidence. There's the key. You're a disciple, and that word disciple in the Greek means to be a student, a pupil. 
if you abide, if you continue, if you remain in the word, then you really, you, it's, it's proof that you are a disciple. That is, to me, a reality. There is a love, and that love I told you about at first for God, for his son, Jesus Christ, you want to know more. And as we know more about him, as we learn, as we study, my studying came to a different point in place. When I was a kid, I looked at passages, I read stories just to get the prime details. But when Christ saved me, I began to study his word. Words, all of a sudden, I would stop and say, what does that mean? What does, what, what is that? I began to look at things from a completely different standpoint. And Jesus told these Jews who believed him that if you do this, then you truly are disciples of mine, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. i got to be honest with you. That's what just absolutely overwhelmed me. I became free. I, I grew up in church. I grew up in, in a Christian home believing a lot of stuff that I realized just wasn't true. I, things that people would tell me, things I had to do and shouldn't do, and, and this is right and that's wrong, and this is what it means to be, it wasn't true. I, I began to see things. I, I really began to have an understanding, a spiritual understanding, as the Holy Spirit illuminated. He, he brought an understanding to me. He taught me as I, I continued, and then I dove in, and I realized I needed resources and references, and I wasn't no Greek scholar like Dr. James White, and I wasn't a Hebrew scholar in the old time, but I got books. I got reference material to find out what words meant. I did this all on my own, not to boast, because I couldn't get enough. I thirsted. I hungered for the meat. I thirsted for the pure milk. I wanted it more than anything else. And matter of fact, it's it's interesting because Peter talks about this in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says in verse 2, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if indeed or excuse me, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. I just had a brand new grandson. He is just gorgeous. He's a, he's a big boy. He's like my oldest son. It is my oldest son's first son. His name is Luca, and I love him dearly. And he gets hungry. I, I laughed the other day when we visited. We were there, and, and he just got done eating, and... Uh, and my son was holding me. He said, here, Dad, you want to hold him? And I was, I was, he has his eyes open looking at me, and he's like a head of hair, and he's as cute as the day is long. And I, I'm holding him in there, and I, I was burping him, trying to burp him a little bit on my shoulder. And, and we were there for just a little while. And I'm going to say 15 minutes or so, and all of a sudden he cries. He starts crying. And my daughter-in-law comes up to me. She goes, Dad, he's hungry. Here, give him to me. I said, he just ate. She says, <laughs> he likes to eat. He wants to be fed. And I think to myself, that's, that's just like this passage right here. That if you are a child of God, of a Christian, you should truly, like a newborn babe, you should long for the pure milk or the unadulterated word of God so that you can grow. You want to grow. You want to be healthy and strong. Because you've tasted the kindness, you've tasted the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has saved you. You can't get enough. 
Uh, and there's other passages like Matthew chapter 10. There's another one there that 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 really kind of paints the picture uh, of being a disciple and a, and a child of God. It's one of my favorite passages that quite often I have taught on and I share with other people and, and, and their walk as they're growing. But the Bible tells us quickly in Matthew 10, 24, a disciple or a pupil is not above his teacher nor a slave above his master. It is enough, listen carefully, it is enough for the disciple that he become as his teacher and the slave as his master. See, our goal is to be like Jesus. And as a pupil, we learn, we study, we want to be like him. We want to follow him, follow his example. We want to imitate Christ because he is the Lord, he is the love of our lives. Wow. And I know, folks, this may seem like to be a podcast that goes on and on and on and on. And so far, I've only given you four traits of a true Christian, four evidences, four characteristics, four proofs. But as you look at these four proofs so far, I really believe down deep inside. Wow. It becomes evident to me that this follows in line with others who were changed, who were saved, who were born from above, who became new creatures. And I hope and pray that as you hear this show that you will look at this stuff. You will look at your own life and you, again, won't turn to anybody else. You'll just turn to your own self and truly just allow yourself to take in whether or not this is a picture of you and whether or not your life lines up with the scriptures. You call yourself a Christian. Is there enough evidence? Is there enough proof that you truly are a disciple, a child of, a li- of the living God? Are you a follower of Jesus? Do you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Do you have the Holy Spirit within you? Is that fruit evident? Is is there that change that people all around you recognize? And the truth of the matter is you can't get enough of his word. You can't get enough of worshiping him and studying about him and longing to know more. All these things, plus others we'll bring to you another show, are just, once again, they're the proofs, they're the evidence, and the proof is in the pudding of whether or not you are who you claim to be. Hey, once again, I want to remind you, we have uh, those tracks uh, entitled, Are You Prepared for Heaven? Uh, It's a part of the Unless You Believe ministry. If you'd like some tracks, email me, martybinto at gmail.com, or go to our Facebook page or Twitter or Instagram and let us know. All we need to do is get a mailing address. We'll send you a bunch out to help you as you share uh, your faith with other people as you tell people about Jesus Christ and share the good news, the gospel message. And uh, again, if you want to know more about being a Christian, want to know more about truly anything that I have said on any of these shows, I'd love to hear from you. Email me, martyminto at gmail.com. Thanks for stopping by an apologetic show that doesn't apologize for the truth. The Marty Mento Show. 